Pastor Kenneth kidded me and said the one thing that was left off of this very long introduction is the fact that I was part of his ordination service in May of, two, of uh, 2002. So we've known each other a very long time. Please pray with me. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angel, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. So part of the joy of Christmas is that it's so very familiar. The words are familiar. We've got a good, bunch of good vocalists here. You can help me fill in the blank. Let's think of the master in that King Cole chestnuts roasting on an open fire or jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock or joy to the world the Lord is or even the beloved Christmas gospel from Luke chapter 2 and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed we know the words and we know the Christmas traditions probably in your home there are certain things that have to be in certain places because it's Christmas it's a tradition I have a red sweater vest. I should have worn it tonight. I only wear it during a couple weeks in the middle of December every year. Even our beloved family dogs, Gracie and Emma, as dumb as they are, understand some of our Christmas traditions. In our house, we give out all the Christmas presents first, then we take turns opening them. And while we're passing out the presents, the dogs who know they're going to get some presents are running around sniffing. Is this one for me? Is this one for me? Is this one for me? Christmas is like going home to grandma's house. It's familiar. It's centering. Everything is in its place. We kind of know what to expect. But, and as you know, preachers make their living following that word. But, but inside of Christmas, like a treasure wrapped up in a beautiful box, there is a surprise an astonishing, an amazing surprise, which if we attend to it, is transformational. It makes all things new. The surprise is there in the Holy Gospel for this first Sunday of Christmas. The story of old Simeon. He'd been there in the temple and it had been promised to him by God, you're going to live until you see the promised Messiah. If you're a cradle Lutheran like I am, more than seven decades, the words of Simeon are so very familiar. In the old days, old, old days, we used to sing his words every Sunday after communion. Bear with me, this is kind of a Latin chant kind of a thing. We used to sing, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Listen now. A light to enlighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. I'm going to be here all night. That's, uh, that's it. 
What's the surprise? Old Simeon says, the Messiah of Israel is not just for us. He's for everyone, including the Gentiles. Now, it's pretty hard, really, in our world to appropriate how absolutely revolutionary were his words. Maybe this will help. Next week, I'll mark 47 years as an ordained minister, and I spent the first 15 years in New Jersey, most of it in Montclair, New Jersey, where two of my closest clergy friends were rabbis. We were in graduate school together in New York City. And Rabbi Alan Silverstein is the one who taught me that in the days of Jesus, a pious Jewish man would open his eyes in the morning, and the first prayer was a prayer of thanks to God for the gift of light, a new day. Then drop his feet onto the ground, getting out of bed, a prayer of thanks to God for creation and other prayers. But part of the morning prayer was to pray, if you can believe it, I thank you, God, that you did not make me a woman or a Gentile. Because Gentiles were those people. We live in a very polarized country where people are always pointing fingers at each other, those people, those people. But it was that to the hundredth power in the time of Jesus. And yet, what does old Simeon by faith proclaim? This Messiah is not just a gift for the few or for the many, but for all. Israel had been waiting for a Messiah, the way the Dodgers have been waiting for starting pitching for the last three or four years. Maybe they finally resolved that. Israel's Messiah was going to make them great. But Simeon says, no, this gift is for all people. For all people. And that's what makes creation new. For all people. We're here on New Year's Eve. We're all kind of dressed up, looking good, hoping that the preacher doesn't go on too long because you got plans for later on in the evening or certainly for tomorrow. We're here. We're looking good. But that doesn't mean it's been a good day or a good week or a good month. December is hard on people or a good year. Think about December. People can be saying to themselves, I'm divorced. Christmas is for couples. I'm alone. Christmas is for people with lots of friends and family. Christmas is for people who have the means to buy gifts for others, and I'm barely getting by. Christmas is for happy people, and I'm suffering from depression or anxiety or trauma. The world can whisper in our ears, not just in December, but any time. Everybody else, but not really you. But Christmas comes along and we hear, no, it's something more. Christmas is Jesus. And Jesus is God's love for every person. I want you to say that with me. Christmas is Jesus. And Jesus is God's love for every person. Jesus is God's love for every person. 
Now you think I'm done, but I'm not. Because <laughs> I'm going to conclude with my very favorite Christmas story. It dates from December of 1982. It's the story of Agneta. That was her given name. She was a daughter of a Lutheran pastor in Denmark. She moved to the United States, and I came to know her. She was a nurse. And since Americans couldn't pronounce her Danish name, she changed the pronunciation to Anita, which was easier. Anita was petite and beautiful and fierce and strong. She was the charge nurse on 5 West at Mountainside Medical Center in Montclair, New Jersey. And if you got care on that unit, you were well cared for. She was a loving, great person. She was fierce in her determination that everybody would receive the best possible care from her staff. Anita was about this big. Her husband, Art, was about this big. He was six foot five. He was a former offensive tackle at the local high school, a kind of local legend. He served in the United States Marine Corps, uh, and he made his career as a sheriff's deputy. They had no children, but they adored each other. They had a happy, loving life. And on Monday, December the 20th, Art came home from work before Anita, as he often did. He walked the dog. He fed her. He started rustling around in the kitchen to make dinner. He poured himself a glass of Christmas cheer and then suffered a massive heart attack and fell over dead on the floor. He was still lying on the floor when I got to the house. Anita had called me, but already there were nurses there and a few of the uniformed officers from town. Well, it was Monday of Christmas week. We couldn't schedule the funeral until Friday morning, Christmas Eve. And because the cemeteries were going to be closed over the weekend, some of Art's extended family couldn't get into town until Thursday night. So imagine a sanctuary all set up for Christmas, candles everywhere, wreaths and all, all of that. And we're gathering for a funeral. Now, I remember two things about that funeral very vividly. The first is that because Art was a Marine and a deputy sheriff, he had left word that when he died, he wanted the battle hymn of the Republic sung at his funeral. So in that room where we were going to sing Silent Night, we sang, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, and we lifted the roof off the place because of the other thing I remember about that service, the number of people there. All the uniformed people who could possibly come were there. All the nursing staff and the doctors in the hospital who could possibly come were there. That sanctuary easily held about 200. On Christmas Eve with folding chairs, we could get 240, maybe 250. Well, uh, the fire chief was standing next to me at the door as we gathered, and he whispered in my ear, Reverend, I think we have a fire code violation on our hands. We had to have at least 300 people in the room standing everywhere and another 40 or 50 outside who couldn't get in. And, of course, he assured me, don't worry, Reverend, no citation. We're all here for Art and Anita. So 
We had the funeral, we went to the cemetery for the committal, back to Anita's house for a little bite of lunch. Then I had to dash. We had a four o'clock service that afternoon for families with little children, and the big service at 11 o'clock at night with a 10.30 concert before, beforehand. So I'm standing in the doorway at 11 o'clock, the choir's all lined up, we're gonna be marching in singing, oh come all ye faithful, and in slips Anita being held up by a nurse on each arm, red-faced, wet with tears, sits in the very back row. It's well after midnight. I'm greeting people at the end of the service, and she is the last one to leave. Of course, I threw my arms around her, and then I stepped back and said, Anita, I'm so pleased that you're here, but I'm really amazed to see you tonight. And she stepped back, And her face was almost accusing as she looked at me and said, Pastor Michael, I have never needed Christmas more than I do tonight. Christmas isn't just for the happy. It isn't a blessing for those who have everything going for them. What makes a new creation is when we understand and believe the simple and amazing truth. Christmas is Jesus. And Jesus is God's love for you and for me, for every person, for all of creation. God's love. God whom the church worships and names in faith as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.